everyone, and thank you for listening to the 23rd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing this morning, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. I'm doing great, and I'm a little tired as well, because we are coming to you from Springfield, Missouri at 7.08 a.m. due to some... <laughs> Circumstances and uh, um, schedule so around the holidays. Yep, we're being flexible, but uh, we've got a good uh, show for everybody. We are going to have a lot of fun recapping the Bragging Rights win over Illinois. We're finally going to take a look at uh, Missouri's bowl matchup with Oklahoma State and a few other things. But first, we will jump into some news. Um, first thing I've got here: Missouri made the top ten for a player named Mookie Cooper, a 2020 athlete from St. Louis Trinity Catholic. Um, some other teams on his top 10 were Nebraska, LSU, Texas, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. So a lot of tough competition there. Yeah, I haven't really taken a deep dive into the t- 2020 recruits yet. Uh, but obviously, a lot of competition for this guy. And if I'm thinking of the right uh, person, I think that he's kind of uh, Texas lean at this point. But it's early, so never yeah. know. Yeah, it's just that time of year when uh, we start looking towards 2020 as the 2019 class really settles in. Mm-hmm. So, um, Another big news item, Jeremiah Tillman earned the SEC Player of the Week this week after averaging 19 points and 11 rebounds. Yep, we will fawn over Jeremiah Tillman in our Illinois recap, but very well-deserved honor for him. Yeah, I, he has been really impressive lately. And it, I'll just ask you right now, to have you had any thoughts about changing our stance from the pre or from early in the season about him for sure staying four years at Missouri yes absolutely I think the last week or two I still think that he'll be a three-year player but I think it's very very possible that he he leaves early at some point I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that he'll play for four years uh, yeah partly just because I really hope so yeah <laughs> And then a special news item, we're going to give a shout-out to former Willard Tiger and Northern Colorado Bear, Tim Huskison. Um, he played locally here in southwest Missouri, and he is now getting – or he just got inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame here in Springfield. Um, he was All-State in Class 5 as a senior at Willard, and um, he had his number 22 retired there. And as a senior at UNC, he became just the 21st player – in their history to score over 1,000 career points. So congrats to him. Uh, producer Cameron and I went uh, went to high school with him, graduated in the same class. So we got to see him up close. It was um, kind of sad when he went far away for college. Uh, there was a lot of people hoping he would kind of stay local, but I fondly remember watching the scores of the um, conference tournament that, mm-hmm. that they would play in every year, just hoping that they would win so that they could play in the NCAA tournament. Did they ever get there? They did not. Mm. Yeah, he was a great player for sure. I watched him a few times in high school as well. Well, that's all I really have for news. Kind of a short news week. You got anything else, Kyle? I think that covers it. Okay. Well, we won't keep the people waiting. I say we just jump right into recapping bragging rights. Let's give them what they want. Because that was a lot of fun. Um, Missouri won 79 to 63. Yeah. And other good news, we kept our streak alive. Um, we broke the curse earlier this the, in the football season Ooh, by I watching the uh, Purdue game together. Didn't even think about it. Yeah, so that's two in a row now that when we've watched them together, they've won. Wow. 
we are really turning things around. Yes. Yeah, just thank us it's for a, the recent success. Yes, yeah, clearly yeah. us. So, <laughs> yeah, this this was a really fun game. Um, I think the score, I mean, obviously Missouri pulled away late. It was super close most of the game. Uh, but, man, it feels good to uh, to get the bragging rights back. And yes. I, I think they uh, they felt the, the same way. I think the players have been had that monkey on their back for a while, especially if Kevin Purrier hadn't, oh, yeah. as a senior, had not won a bragging rights game yet. After the game is over, like now thinking back on it, I'm like, how did they? How did Illinois win five in a row? I don't know. Jeez. Was, I mean, part of that was the the Kim Anderson era, yeah, I mean, but technically we know how. But yeah. it just seems like how did they do that? But even when these teams, you know, even when Missouri was not good and yeah. Illinois was pretty good a few years ago, the game was still close. It's yeah. it's always a close game, no matter how good the teams are as far as a season long stance goes. Yeah. Um, Missouri turnovers and Trent Frazier basically kept Illinois in it in the first half. Yeah. Um, if if either one of those things had been different, Missouri would have pulled away early, I think. Yeah. But um, Illinois was forcing turnovers. Uh, Missouri committed six turnovers in the first six minutes of the game and then just ten turnovers the rest of the game. Yeah. And Frazier was really hot. In the first half, he was five of six from three. So he was shooting lights out. That kept him right in it. And Missouri just couldn't really put him away early, but, um, and really it was Jeremiah Tillman and Jordan Geist all game, but especially there in the first half, Jordan Geist, Jordan Big Kahuna Burger Geist, he went on a nine to two run all by himself. He in hit a matter th- of like thirty seconds, yeah. he hit three threes in a row. Yeah, consecutive possessions, he hit three pointers, and so that uh, put Missouri on top. And it basically just went back and forth like that the rest of the first half and a good portion of the second half. But um, Xavier Pinson looked really good. He made two really nice no-look assists and made a nice spot-up three Mm -hmm. early to just, I mean, the timely threes were really helpful for Missouri throughout the game, but especially in the first half when Frazier was going off. Yeah, definitely. Um, we we mentioned Geist and Tillman as as the superstars for sure, and rightfully so, but I'd say definitely uh, the X factor or two of this game was Javon Pickett and um, Xavier Pinson for sure. I mean, those guys, we're watching them you know, develop right in front of our eyes and um, just learning to play efficient, mistake-free basketball, and I think they really did that. Um, on a big stage where I would not have been surprised if it was the complete opposite. Right. So for, for some young guys to play against talented guards in front of a crazy crowd that wants to see them lose so badly, um, well, half of the crowd at least, but right. it, it was a pretty crazy environment, it yeah. seemed like. So. Pickett was especially impressive because he was just doing all the little things and just quietly was 7 of 7 at one point. Mm-hmm. And Only <laughs> missed shot was that little botched yeah. layup at the end. Right, so it didn't right even really matter end. at that point, I don't think. so. Yeah, uh, he was he was really impressive. Mm-hmm. And Pinson only played 10 minutes, but if you'd have told me that... It seemed I like mean, he was everywhere. Yeah, and so he definitely made his minutes count. But I, yeah, I think Jordan Geis had the most impressive stat line with uh, 20.6 rebounds, 7 assists. So, I mean, he was approaching triple-double category. I right. mean, not yeah. not really, I guess, but some of those categories were getting cl- getting up there. So he just clearly did everything in this game. So yeah. such a, a team-oriented win and uh, kind of the opposite of Illinois. I mean, they were a one-man show. Trent Frazier is an absolute stud, and yeah. we knew that coming into the game that he was going to get his probably, but just to watch him do it, man, he's a really talented player and only a sophomore. Yeah, he had 28 of their 63 points. So yeah. 
I do not look forward to playing him in this matchup for exactly. the next two years. Well, and the other guard was, a, I think, a four- or five-star freshman, uh, A.O. Desumnu, right. and he didn't do anything. Yeah, and he I picked think up that those was... two early fouls, but even when he was in the game, I mean, he, still, he play, only played 17 minutes, but he just really didn't do anything. One of five shooting. And yeah. yeah, I think we were pretty fortunate to, for him to have a pretty underwhelming game. I'm sure they will be a pretty dangerous duo. Yeah going forward definitely um so missouri was up 39 35 at halftime which uh i just was shocked that they scored 39 points in the first half i mean yeah it wasn't it wasn't their best half of basketball i would say but they just quietly were scoring points and um illinois was scoring right along with them though they had 35 but um, in the second half, they were definitely working it through Tillman early. They went to him on three st- straight possessions. He had uh, four points out of those three possessions. And then uh, Jordan Geist, as good as he was playing, he might have been even better if it weren't for his leg cramps. Yeah. Um, he had to leave the game a couple times. and Yeah, it showed him on the sideline. Right. It looked like he had a broken leg or <laughs> yeah, something the way he was <laughs> reacting to <laughs> Yeah, anytime cramps. you see people cramping up, especially in basketball games, when you get those close-up shots on the bench, yeah. it's like, wow, that must be incredibly like, there's painful. There's no way he's coming back in this game. Yeah. And then he like walks out there like 30 <laughs> seconds later. <laughs> right. Yeah, but um, you're probably right. He may have – I don't know what he could have done, honestly, much more than he did, but he maybe could have yeah, done even more. Yeah, he still played 36 minutes, so. Yeah. He wasn't out of the game, I don't think, any more than he would have been normally. Can you imagine two years ago or whatever it was, whenever he you know committed to play for Commanders, and that we would ever be expecting him to to carry the Just team like he is right now yes. and put up a stop a stat line like yeah. twenty six and seven? Yeah, he's taken some serious heat, I think, in um, yeah. his time here. I because mean, even as recently as the beginning of last season. Yeah, because I mean, he. I don't know that we could we could trust him all the time with the ball. You know, he was kind of freaking out under pressure and. He was taking some last, you know, second game, potential game winning or tying shots and missing them. And so he definitely went through some growing pains, but he's still um, doing some of those things, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, for sure. At the end of this half, at the end of the first half in this Illinois game, whatever play they drew up broke down and it ended up just being a Jordan Geist three at the buzzer. Yeah. So it is true that, yeah, I think even the UCF game, whenever right. he, he tied it to send it to overtime, that was kind of a botched play. I think that, it was completely, yeah. the, the play broke down, which honestly might be a little bit of a point of concern because it seems like every time we've drawn up a play to try to hit a big shot at the end of a half or the end of a game or something seems like it's always broken down and it's just guys throwing up a three at the end yeah and i I honestly i think they should move towards like putting the ball in penson's hands maybe and letting mark smith and geist be an option Mm -hmm. because geist is several times now he's tried to find smith and just it's not it there, just doesn't so happen. he just has to throw one up. Yeah, I think that might change over time though, because I th- I think right now, <clears throat> at the beginning of the year, I think Mark Smith was definitely uh, number one on the scouting report of this guy's a shooter, so mm-hmm. cover him. But guys, to maybe changing that uh, narrative a little bit, so yeah. he might and be starting to draw more attention away from yeah, Mark Smith. Pickett could knock something down if Watson's <clears throat> in the game; he can knock it down. He yep. had several in the, the second half. Missouri could have blown it up blown it open even more than they did um 
Watson had two threes go halfway down. Geist had one or two that looked good. And it seemed like they were all like in quick succession. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. We had like three in a row that were halfway down. Right. Yeah, there was kind of a frantic stretch in the second half where the pace was going crazy and um, mm-hmm. there was turnovers and they found Watson twice for wide open threes that looked so good, but they just didn't go down. Um, but um, something that you may have forgotten is that um, Missouri had kind of a cold stretch in the second half, and Illinois was actually able to take advantage of that. And they went on a little run and actually took a one-point lead with seven and a half minutes left. The score was 56-55 Illinois. But that is mostly forgotten about because Missouri just decided to go on a 24-4 run to put the game away um, all the way until that run lasted until the last 30 seconds of the game. So that was it. They yeah. just put on, turned on the gas and just put Illinois away where they could not come back in this game. Yeah. Honestly, watching this Missouri team at the beginning of the year, I thought any game they won all year long, no matter who they were playing, would be like less than 10-point win. because yeah. And probably like in the low 60s yeah i was I just not sure thought, if you tell me illinois scores 63 and missouri wins mm-hmm. i'm thinking they probably scored 67 at most right I, I definitely would not have assumed that they would put illinois away at the end of this game uh but they they really did and I, we kind of knew coming into the game that illinois doesn't play the greatest defense their guards can be scrappy but they they don't play very good two-point defense and so we thought tillman might have a, a chance if he could shrug the the intangibles of this game we thought he might have a pretty big game and he did and I, I think the team just took a really took advantage of of Illinois weaknesses really well and um, didn't allow them to capitalize on on areas that could be weaknesses for us yeah Tillman was incredibly impressive um, he was able to be on the floor for 29 minutes he was 7 of 11 from the floor two for three from free throws so he had an old-fashioned three-point play that kicked off this big run and I mean, 16 and 12, it just added to his fuel for SEC Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. And he almost had the highlight of the entire game. At the very end, he try, attempted a monster jam that was going to bring the house down, but it bounced off the back of the rim. And I actually I saw, thought he made it at I first. Did, and so did he. I actually saw after the game in an interview, he, they asked him about that dunk attempt, and he's like, I honestly thought it. I thought I made it until I saw the ball halfway <laughs> down the court on the other end. <laughs> yeah, that but, would have been pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, it they, almost still was, even though he missed it. Yeah, I know. It still got the crowd, the Mizzou side, all riled up. But uh, I also want to shout out Kevin Purrier because he – had a pretty quiet game but he was two for two from three and those were two big threes in the second half to mm-hmm. one was during that little mini run by illinois so it kept missouri you know right there with him and then another one during the big mizzou run to put him away and it's just i mean when he i i finally feel confident in him when he has his feet set yeah and he's you know catch, it doesn't catch look pretty three still, yeah, still his form is a little questionable but yeah. Um, you can and you can tell in a game like even when he misses a three when his feet are set and it's a spot up opportunity and he's open it Mm -hmm. still looks it's still a a good shot yeah and when he is shooting off the dribble or anything out of that catch and shoot rhythm it's sometimes an air ball or banging off the backboard or something like that yeah um 
Yeah, I mean, he's struggled to score this year a little bit, and but I, I'm. It's so good that he's developed kind of that that re- somewhat reliable three point shot. He's just being adaptive, finding other ways to score uh, whenever the inside looks may not be there because he's just undersized and sometimes a little bit under athletic. So um, we needed him to step up on the on the outside in this game, and yeah, like you said, just really kind of help turn the tide a little bit with two big threes in the second half and uh, pass Norm Stewart on the um, all-time Mizzou scoring list. So it seems kind of crazy to say about Kevin Prettier, knowing what we know about him. Yeah. But he's, he's had a really, really nice career. Yeah, and in this game specifically, he did other things well as, along with you know those two big threes. Right. He had four assists, which was second most on the team behind Geist. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I mean, if, if uh, Prettier were to not play in a game I, I really think that we would we would notice that he's not there because he's just kind of the glue guy I mean mm-hmm. he doesn't really do anything super flashy he's probably not going to put up 20 a game or anything like that or or in any game probably right. but he just does a lot of a lot of little things and I, I truly think he's the senior leader that's uh along with guys that's keeping this team headed forward yeah and um I think Another thing that is kind of interesting is uh, kind of a running joke on Twitter in the Mizzou fandom is Missouri's free throw percentage defense. Um, Obviously, they don't contribute anything to other teams missing free throws, but they have elite free throw percentage defense, and that was on display um, down the stretch in this one because Illinois just all of a sudden could not buy a free throw. Yeah, I would hate to see what... Um, how this game's momentum might have gone if Illinois could have just made a few free throws because I still think probably Mizzou pulls it out, but they, I mean, they truly just let this one slip away because they probably three or four in a row missed like front ends of free mm-hmm. throws and just it, were not it, yeah. putting themselves in good opportunities. Um, the reincarnation of D Brown missed uh, both of his free throws at one point. <laughs> that guy, that that poor guy, he just did not do a whole lot no, of he, good things for Illinois that game. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know his name. No, I don't either. He just looked like D Brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I was just incredibly impressed. I mean, yeah, the Illinois was in shambles after this game with their fan base. I'm sorry, I just kind of interrupted you. I no, derailed your thought, but I saw just numerous. Uh, uh, just scenarios of of them being in shambles and even some of the players parents um, you know openly complaining about Underwood on on Twitter and you know complaining about how you know some of the the playing time for certain players and how some of their you know heralded freshmen are on the bench while Underwood plays his son Tyler Underwood who brings literally nothing whatsoever now according to him though he brings good defense and to his credit he only logged five minutes true so it's it is noticeable when he comes into the game i guess it is still just like who's that middle schooler out there (laughs) (laughs) still just five minutes of playing time but yeah when illinois i mean their dysfunction in the second half was pretty much all to do with them missing shots and I would credit Missouri's defense with a lot of that I mean when when Frazier went cold in the second half they they didn't have anybody else to turn to yeah and yeah you're right yeah with Dosumu on the bench you know with foul trouble they I mean I, I would ask some of these fans these Illinois fans like who do you think should be like wh- like what do you think should happen if if guys just aren't making threes I mean they were eight of 29 from three and Frazier was 6 of 13. And hit 5 of 6 in the first half or something right. like that. Yeah. 
So yeah, honestly, if I'm Illinois, I probably want Trent Frazier to put up 23s a game. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, just, he's gonna I, have. Who else is gonna do right. it? Like you said. Yeah. And no one else on their team really scared me at all this game. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, anytime anybody else outside of Frazier, especially if they were taking a three. I welcomed it. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was like the kind of stretch for bigger white guy with a crazy last name. I apologize. I don't know yeah. his last name, but uh, anytime he put up a shot at we were kind of like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll yeah. take it. But uh, overall, uh, I mean, and Missouri had a really good game as far as getting assists. They had assists on 23% of their um, shots. Illinois, uh, that just shows how much how stagnant the ball was and how they could not get anything if it wasn't Frazier making shots for himself because they had their assist numbers were super low six assists on the game Mm -hmm. and Missouri did turn the ball over some but after that first stretch they were they were pretty sound with the ball the rest of the way Mm -hmm. and this is just overall a a really nice victory and and it showed in the um in the analytics afterwards yeah, because that's what i was actually about to say yeah missouri obviously moves to eight and three but now they're number 69 in kempom and the offense uh jumped into the top 100 yeah they've which, moved up like 30 spots in the last with their last two games and we talked about at one point earlier in the season how if this missouri offense was able to be a top 100 offense then that could really mean missouri's going to be not just okay this season but have a shot at knocking off some of the top sec teams yeah so i think i posted this question on twitter but i'm not sure i've heard your thoughts on it what do you think of missouri's tournament chances at this time of the year i i still don't like them i yeah. think um after this after moorhead state when we next week when we sort of preview the tennessee game and the sec slate as a whole i'll kind of i've got some teams from last year in the sec that i just record wise and Ken Palm rating wise, I think Missouri should try to become um, if they want a shot at being on the good side of the bubble. But I still sort of, the SEC is so good. Um, Missouri, I still feel like is an 18 win team approximately, um, give or take one win on the good side, two or three wins on the bad side. So. I don't know. I still don't see them as an NCAA tournament team, although we will see very quickly at the start of SEC season if they are going to even have a shot. Yeah, their first game is against Tennessee at home, which I don't know. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if they could pull off a victory at home against Tennessee, but I mean, it's very possible Tennessee could be number one or two in the country when they when they come to Mizzou Arena. Yeah, I mean, we'll preview that game in more depth next week, but if they win that one then sure i mean yeah yeah absolutely they could make the ncaa tournament they could finish in the top half of the sec and have an incredible season but i don't see that happening which tells me it'll be a battle the entire season to stay anywhere near the bubble i think i agree with you at the it really any conference season in a power five conference is an absolute gauntlet as you know especially the sec so uh we'll see um i could very easily change my my opinion uh quickly depending on how things go we're riding pretty high right now off yeah. two big wins so um but you never know what can happen and I, i'm much I'm, I'm i'm very invested in this team though and i'm not sure that i was going to be at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year 
with all the circumstances at hand. So uh, it's been a really a really fun team to watch, and Conzo Martin just continues to uh, surpass all expectations. And uh, yeah, it's it's been fun right. so far. Yeah, if they if they end up making an NCAA tournament, I mean, he's got to be your conference coach of the year, definitely, because there's no way anybody. I mean, they just like last year, they were going to be a bubble team with Jonte. So if yeah. they work themselves onto the bubble, that would be incredibly impressive yeah it might not be a terrible idea to uh revisit the schedule at some point and maybe uh make some some predictions on how we think the rest of the year is going to go yeah we should do that next week when we look at the we can kind of look at the sec as a whole okay um but first we have to they have to play moorhead state moorhead state Who? i i didn't even i don't remember their uh mascot I th- there's some kind of bird i think they're the eagles or something but they are ranked 256th in Ken Palm. They have a record of four and eight, and two of those four wins came against non-D1 opponents. Nice. Their other two wins are over number 228 UMKC and number 198 IUPUI. Kyle, do you know what IUPUI stands for? Indiana uh, University. Yeah. Probably University <laughs> Indiana. <laughs> Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. That's just a so horribly boring name. Those two universities got together and had a baby in Indianapolis, and they're called IUPUI. Nice. Sounds like a formidable opponent. Speaking of formidable <laughs> opponents, uh, UMKC, I do know what that stands for, uh, University of Missouri, Kansas City. That's that's right. As we know, has a very big win over Missouri in its history. So Let's not talk about that. That means that Moorhead State, who beat UMKC... Is even better than them so yeah this is a, this is a trap game morehead state beat umkc so they're definitely better than 2017 missouri or whoever 2016 missouri i can't remember uh i think 2015 missouri yeah <laughs> one of those one of those years they're just the dark years yes um they have lost morehead state has lost five games to teams rated 100 or worse in ken palm um missouri has zero such losses and they're ranked 217th on offense and 282nd on defense um the only other thing you should really know about this team is they're very small they have two players that really contribute that are six seven nobody taller than that and they do not turn you over their defense ranks 255th in turnovers produced. So, so at this point, I think we can just hope that every player on the Mizzou team doesn't like come down with the flu or something, and we're probably uh, probably good on this. But should be safe. Never know. Never know. Stay focused. Stay locked in on defense. Yep. Shoot when you're open. Get to the basket. Work through the post. This should be. Don't a, underestimate your opponent. Like, right. Don't don't get your like game plan for me. <laughs> from this podcast <laughs> yeah don't look at their uh rankings on ken palm because i'm sure they are a much better team than their four and eight record and their ratings suggest mm-hmm. so take them very seriously as an opponent please um they really don't do much well though <laughs> no they don't they don't turn the ball over a ton on offense but they shoot a pretty poor percentage um Although when they beat, I think it was the UMKC game, when they beat UMKC, uh, they shot 57% from three. And then in their other D1 win, they shot 23% from three. 
So I guess it seems like their only chance of winning would be just to get incredibly hot from three. Yeah. And even then. Which could happen to anyone. You never know. Yeah. Because Missouri's just, they're not going to have any post offense against Missouri. Yeah, no players over 6'7". Yeah. I don't see it. And even in the competition they've played, their interior scoring is not good. So I would this should be a, an opportunity for, for Missouri to improve that two-point percentage, two-point field goal percentage. And maybe bit. score 80 points? Um, I'm going to say no. Do you think the walk-ons get in? I'm going to say no. Okay. I'm going to make my prediction for the score of this game as 81-64. And I think Missouri is going to win. Oh, wow. I think this could be sort of a ho-hum performance from Missouri, coming off two big wins, looking ahead to conference play. It just sets up for them to maybe not play their best. I hope they play their best. I hope they get up for this game. Um coming back home after playing in St. Louis. So I'm going to say the offense isn't quite clicking, and it's something like 71-59, Mizzou. Still a win. Yep. I will take it every time. I'll yep. take – I would honestly take a 9-3 and three record in the non-conference pretty much every season. Yeah, I think that we uh, – looking at the schedule before the season started – uh, I think it, they took a little bit different path than maybe we thought. Yeah. Not super different, but uh, I think nine and three would have been, we would have been pretty happy with that. And I think Definitely. we probably predicted some something around that. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I shouldn't be doing this already since we're not even to conference play yet. But anytime I open Ken Palm, I'm looking at that red line that goes across the Temple game. And I just think that. That Temple game might be one where if this is a bubble team, basically root for Temple. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely root for Temple. So they can the bump season. up to a quadrant two win yeah. potentially or a, or a loss. Or, yeah. yeah. That, um, that potentially could be Missouri's only quadrant three loss. Yeah. Now they could mess up and do something. I mean, there's no guarantees when it comes to the SEC games, but – yeah, potentially I, I that mean, could I don't be the know only if one. any SEC team we're going to play this year could be a quadrant three loss. I mean, like South Carolina or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think at the time when they lost to Temple, I mean, obviously I was frustrated, but I was just kind of like, yeah, it's, just, it's, a, uh, it's a rebuilding year. It's going to be a bumpy road. Uh, you know, that's expected. And now that, you know, they're showing signs of life, it's like, it's, I think it's even more painful now right. than it was when they actually yeah. lost. Yeah, losing by two at home. It's just like, like that's definitely going to be one that we were going to wish we had back if this team's on the bubble definitely in march all right well i think it's time to switch gears any last thoughts on basketball before we talk football again i think that's it it seems like it's been a while since we've talked football yeah um but and, and that always is something that kind of bothers me about bowl season it's like um like is this the same team like yeah i, I know like, it seriously it's, it's, it almost feels like a little bit of a different season yeah especially because we've been so invested in basketball early where i mean i feel like the average i mean i mean on an average season i'm not maybe not quite as invested in the non-conference basketball season as i am when we i sometimes watch the games twice so that we can Mm -hmm. it's fresh in my mind when we talk about it and stuff so it really seems like it's been a long time 
But um, the last time these two played, we all remember that. I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago. But that was the 2014 Cotton Bowl uh, that was after the 2013 season. And Missouri was ranked number nine. They were fresh off of a SEC championship game lost to Auburn. And the Cowboys were number 13 in the country. Yeah. And Missouri won that game 41 to 31. And they put it away with a memorable Shane Ray 73-yard scoop and score, which I think is seared in every Mizzou fan's memory forever. Yeah, that w- the uh, 2013 season might have been one of the most fun seasons I've ever had watching any sport. Um, it was just very explosive offense, and it kind of came out of nowhere a little bit after a rough 2012 football season. So One yeah. half away from playing at Florida State in the national championship game. Yeah, that's kind of painful to think about, but also still just a fantastic year, though. And that South Carolina game basically didn't even matter, the fact that we lost that. Yeah, I, I feel like Dave Steckel almost like kind of tarnished his like Mizzou uh, reputation a little bit after that game. I think in a lot of people's game. eyes, it was like, are you talking about the championship you, game? Yes, yeah. with uh, Trey Mason running for 5,000 yeah. 5, yards against us. So that was that was kind of rough to watch. But and the, the offense though, just like keeping them in it was so fun. Oh, I remember yeah. uh, re- at the end of the first half when it looked like uh, Missouri's going to go into halftime down by I can't remember five or six. And they scored on a long pass to DGB to take the lead going into halftime. It was just like, wow, this they're in this. I remember, I think it was the first touchdown of the game when DGB like laid out for a pass and they called it a touchdown, but I'm not sure it was. I think he <laughs> dropped it. But um, yeah, there was a lot of drama in that game, but and it was it was fun for the most part, but obviously a painful ending knowing what it could have been. But yeah. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. That but this Oklahoma State game that was that was quite the cherry on top of, yes. of that season. Yeah, it always feels good. I mean, when you win your bowl game after a successful season like that, I mean, it reminds me of the um, Cotton Bowl win against um, Arkansas many years ago when Missouri had a really great season. They lost in the Big 12 championship, but they capped it off with a bowl win over Arkansas just to you know, end on a good note, and hopefully mm-hmm. they do that this year. Um, looking at Oklahoma State in 2018, they started off their season with a big win over the Missouri State Bears. <laughs> uh, Missouri State traveled to uh, Stillwater. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we, d- we didn't have – that wasn't just nonsense we were babbling about. Right. Uh, it all comes full circle. So Dave Steckel and the Missouri State Bears traveled to Stillwater and lost 58-17. to 17. Um, So I just thought it was funny that they happened to play Missouri State to start their season. Mm-hmm. And they had um, – Oklahoma State had kind of a weird season. It was very up and down. Um, they had – really good wins against Boise State and um, Texas and West Virginia. Really, really solid wins. But then they also lost to some lackluster opponents in Texas Tech, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Baylor. So I don't know. Looking at their schedule, I don't really know what to make of it. That's a Big 12 football for you right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, just a pretty weak conference from for the most part this year. And as we know, nobody in that conference plays defense. Even the best, com- even the best team in the conference has like the worst defense in football. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but it still is a little bit scary knowing that Oklahoma State, you know, can come out and beat you, and uh, they can also lose to you by f- five touchdowns. So, yeah, they. I mean, they have a good scoring offense. It's 14th best in the country. Now those stats are slightly inflated, like you mentioned, from playing in the Big 12. And they have the 11th best passing offense. So um, just kind of looking down at their schedule, 
they when they play decent defenses like like Kansas State or uh, TCU, uh, they were held to 12 points at Kansas State, 24 points at TCU. So they and at I mean against Texas Tech, who I would not say has a great defense, they only scored 17 points. So mm-hmm. some teams were able to corral them a little bit and they and really limit their yardage and get takeaways I think was the big thing in those games so their offense can be stopped I mean not that even they can be slowed down they can be stopped in their tracks if you are able to take the ball from them and control the time of possession which I think Missouri would potentially could be able to do yeah definitely uh help me remember this year do you feel like we played um outside of Alabama and Georgia did we play a prolific offense and anybody I mean um, um, I, I'm those, trying to those think. Those are the two best offenses. How did we Mizzou played? fare against teams that are known for a prolific offense? Because I'm trying to think. I don't know if they really played too many of those teams this year. The SEC was not necessarily known for high-powered offense like the Big Twelve is. Right. I mean, they. I mean, Purdue, Purdue. has a pretty good offense, yeah. and that didn't go well for Missouri. Right. Um, so that's kind of maybe one concern I have about this game is uh, is Oklahoma State's firepower on offense i think they do have the potential to make our cornerbacks look bad again um i think our secondary started playing a lot better as the year went on but you just never know especially in these bowl games like i just think that like we talked about it's been such a long time now since like the actual regular season and sometimes i think it's hard for players and teams to get up for this game because it's just they know this is the end no matter what if we win or lose we it's just the end of the season yeah and sometimes i think weird things can happen in these bowl games where the, maybe things wouldn't happen in the regular season if we were still had you know i'm doing air quotes something to play for right other than just bragging rights or whatever yeah and some outlets talked about missouri winning four in a row coming into this and i really don't think that will matter i mean four bowl games no four oh okay, just four just, games in a row okay right previous to this and i do i do think that um Mizzou has something to play for, and that's just sending out some of these pretty um, Mizzou famous seniors out yeah. uh, in a good way. Obviously, I know Drew Locke wants, you know, cares about Mizzou and wants to uh, improve his draft stock in any way he can. Same um, for Terry Beckner Jr. Terry Beckner Jr. as well. So I, th- I think that I might be worried about some teams, but I think I feel okay about Missouri's um, chances as far as getting up for this game. I would never really worry about. Missouri's offense in this situation because Oklahoma State's defense is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, they are just pe- pretty pedestrian. They rank 81st in run defense and 108th in pass defense. So I'm not worried about the offense. I think the seniors on defense will obviously be very focused and come ready to play because it's their last opportunity. However, do we have any seniors in the defensive secondary? Demarcus AC is he a senior? Junior. I don't think so, we have any seniors in the secondary. I Cam Hilton. That's a yeah. So I am a bit worried that the players on the defensive secondary may not be up for this game. I could see that. And that being a weakness already could mean we're in for a shootout. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're definitely right. And uh, but if I know anything about Barry Odom, I think he wants to beat you in literally anything and. He's. I hope that he's going to have this team ready. I know if he probably wants to win worse than anybody on Missouri sideline, uh, or maybe even any fan in the stands. Oh yeah. Um, so 
I, hopefully he's going to have his team prepared. And I think I mentioned this a, a few weeks ago is that Missouri, whenever they get going and they're kind of in the, the routine and they've had a few weeks in a row, it seems like they really can gain some momentum. That's what they've done the last few years. They've really finished strong. But anytime they've been given a little bit of time to prepare, they've really struggled. Coming off bye weeks, uh, last, last, year before last season's bowl, bowl game, yeah. anytime they've, or at the beginning of the year, even yeah. their first game of the year, I don't know. Has I don't think they've ever really had a very strong outing um, with Barry Odom as a coach. So I'm just hoping that this is the first time when given time to prepare that they actually come out and have a strong showing. Yeah, I think... Uh, one thing that I think could contribute to it being a shootout, first of all, you're t- talking about a really good a, a good quarterback stats-wise. Um, he does throw his share of interceptions. Um, Taylor Cornelius is his name, the quarterback for, for Oklahoma State. He threw for 3,600 yards, 28 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. And uh, a good portion of those yards went to Tylen Wallace. He had almost 80 receptions for 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. So that duo is incredibly impressive and uh oklahoma state's leading rusher justice hill is not going to play in this game uh to get ready for the nfl draft so i think they will combine that with missouri's prolific run defense and they're at times a lackluster pass defense if i'm oklahoma state i'm going to take it to the air you know that's what they want to do that's what they like to do they they were fairly balanced throughout the season but without their leading rusher I think they'll lean on the quarterback wide receiver combo and yeah. just try to. I don't know why you wouldn't the Missouri secondary. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely impressive numbers from the wide receiver Tylen Wallace. Like you said, fourteen hundred yards. Yeah. and that is set, almost eighty receptions. That is a huge year. Mm-hmm. So uh, clearly, they've got they've got some dudes on offense, and and we know that. So hopefully, uh, this team is you know Barry Odom and some of the defensive coaches have. Uh, keyed into what they can do to try to stop those guys or slow them down a little bit at least just so our offense can can score enough points because I think you're right this might be whoever scores last wins kind of thing I mean I think I don't know I mean if you're ready to do predictions I think Missouri will win I am really predicting a shootout though of sorts I'm gonna go with a score of 51 41 Missouri I think Drew Locke is going to sort of take it to the Oklahoma State defense because he's I think he's going to want to prove something but I think he'll also play fairly relaxed and just kind of do his thing like he did the second half of the season and I honestly am concerned about especially just that connection from the quarterback to wide receiver Wallace I think there's been many times this season or over the last two seasons where one guy just destroys Missouri through the air mm-hmm. or by catching passes. And I just, I don't know who they could put on him that would, could really limit him uh, or, or shut him down completely. Even if they, even if their entire game plan was don't let this guy beat us. I don't, they haven't proven that they can just take a guy away. So, yeah. Uh, I think those are all legitimate concerns, and I agree with you that it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think I'm going to predict Missouri to win in a little bit lower-scoring game than you've predicted, but I'm going to say 41-34. I think early on Oklahoma State will will hurt us in the air, but I think that Missouri will figure it out by the end of the game and slow them down a little bit. I could definitely see that. I just think, I don't know, 
I, I think it would be exciting. Either way, e both of those scores would be an exciting game. Missouri's mm -hmm. offense would put up some numbers, but I tend to think that they will, if, I think they'll get closer to 50 than 40 because I, I just think they're really yeah. going to. It will be, be fun to them. watch um, this offense, which I think is very good. And I, it sounds like we're going to have all of our major pieces there. I don't think Albert O will play, but it sounds like everyone's going to – no one's you know foregoing the game mm -hmm. to uh, the draft or anything like that. It will be fun to watch Mizzou's offense, or hopefully fun, against a bad defense because all year long we're playing against SEC defenses. Even mm -hmm. Wyoming's got a good defense, you know. So pretty much everybody we played this year – has a good defense, so it'll be fun to see if Missouri can take advantage of the Big 12 defense. Definitely. Anything else for the Liberty Bowl? I think that's it. I'm ready to uh, to watch one more game of, of Drew Locke. It's and so, it seems it's so strange that it it's is, the last it's one. It's really sad. I mean, oh, we're going to miss him. He, him and, and Terry Beckner Jr., those two, it's just like they you've seen them yeah. for so many years now. I feel like it's not as much that way with a senior like Trez Hall, who really came on this year, and he was good last year, but really came into his own this year. Mm -hmm. With Locke and Beckner, it's just like these guys have just been staples of Mizzou football for, for guys four years now. Guys will remember for a long time as yeah. his true sons and hopefully have good NFL careers. But even, you know, Emmanuel Hall and Trez Hall, <clears throat> I – I just love those guys. I oh, just yeah. there's all all four of those guys are just pillars in this team that we're gonna miss. Uh, speaking of the NFL draft, real quick, um, Justin Herbert. Yes, he is staying at Oregon for yeah. another season. That's big. So that I, helps that's, Drew Locke's chances of potentially being the first quarterback taken. Yeah, or potentially the first player taken in the draft. It really thins the pool out a lot because I definitely thought. Herbert was probably going to be the first quarterback off the off the board and a, a long way to go before the draft but it, it was starting to to trend that way it looked like he was kind of the favorite of the group so at this point I think Locke's probably the first quarterback taken four months out from the draft um I think he might I don't think Dwayne Haskins is a great quarterback NFL prospect uh but it seems like he might be fairly stiff competition so yeah. we'll talk about that a lot um over the coming months but Definitely a, a good thing for Drew Locke there. All right, so I have a list here of all of the bowl games the SEC teams will be participating in. I We did not have any picks last week that contributed to the point thing that I won, and I am contending that no matter what happens here today, I, I am the winner. And... I, I can agree to that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But uh, if we want to pick all these, I got the point spreads there. Uh, we can go down the list. I've also got the um, final four matchups listed. And then, Producer Cameron, you wanted us to pick a, a champion, a oh, national yeah. champion. Yes, please. Okay. So I can. I don't have the points in front of me, but I can add these in if we want uh, and tell you the final points next week, unless there's another thing that we want to add points to the – no, I think we need to just like okay, call it call it good after this. All right, sounds sounds good. good. All right, all right. First up, we have the Texas Bowl featuring Baylor and Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is a four point favorite. Yeah, I'll pick Vanderbilt. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't have any like crazy analysis for that. I just you don't you don't really know a lot about Baylor. Baylor just kind of sucks, I think. So <laughs> uh, Baylor beat 
did I just make that up? Baylor beat Oklahoma State. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so. But thankfully, Missouri beat Vanderbilt. So mm, the true. law of, or what's that math? The transitive. The transitive property of college football works yes, in Missouri's favor here. Uh, next up, Music City Bowl, one that a lot of Missouri fans hoped they would get in, uh, is Purdue versus Auburn. Auburn is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, I, I think I'll pick Purdue here. Um, who knows, honestly, but... I was going to pick Purdue as well. Oh, my gosh. So I don't, are you picking I, them or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I honestly don't know enough about Auburn because Missouri didn't play them this year so I just, they're just watched a few of their games they're so, so. sad about not getting yeah. g- g- uh, getting Ke- uh, Kelly Bryant that they're just they can't even <laughs> they're complete sad a pass about their, or anything um, they're just they're dismantled well, so. yeah and they've got a lot of drama going on so yeah. they're gonna lose Purdue okay big one Peach Bowl Florida against Michigan Michigan a six point favorite it's huh. like the third or fourth time these teams have played in five years or I know. something it's, it's like, ridiculous it's so stupid it's like the um, it's like Missouri and Oklahoma State. It's like, Has well, Michigan won every time? I don't they've know. They've played. I, I think they have. I'm going to pick Michigan again. Have, me too. <laughs> because I still don't think Florida's all that great. I don't either. I don't think their offense is that great. Somehow they're 9-3 and three and ranked 10 in the country, but yeah. I just don't. I'm not that, impressed by Honestly, them. that should be Missouri. But I agree. Alas. Uh, the Belk Bowl. South Carolina is a 5.5-point favorite against Virginia. Yeah, I'll pick South Carolina. Um... I know nothing about Virginia. I literally nothing. I couldn't name. I don't even know if I can name their coach. I definitely can't. Uh, I'll, so for that reason, I'll pick Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just went against. No, no, no. I, I have not liked South Carolina all season, so I'll stick with that. Sure, Sam Brand. Yeah. I have liked Florida, though, but I still picked Michigan. I don't know. I, I feel like Michigan's just a better team. I don't even think Michigan's that great, to be honest, but... I mean, as far as the national yeah. picture goes, like they're ranked in probably the top ten or twelve, but yeah, both of those teams, I'm they're like, kind of, they're just both those teams scary. are like, I'd rather watch paint dry than yeah. watch that game. Unless honestly. you're playing Michigan at the Big House, I feel like they're not very scary. Yeah, uh, the Gator Bowl, North Carolina State versus Texas A&M. A&M mm-hmm. is a seven point favorite. Seven point favorite. Uh, I don't really love that line, but I think I'd still pick A&M. Yeah, me too. And then we have the Outback Bowl. Mississippi State is a seven-point favorite against Iowa. I think I'll pick Iowa in this one. I'll pick Mississippi State. The Fiesta Bowl. LSU versus UCF. And time out. Okay, time out, please. I got to tell you about UCF. Okay, please tell me. UCF wants to play Florida. They, They want so bad. Producer Cameron, UCF wants to play Florida. Please let us play Florida. We want to play Florida. Florida says... Okay, we'll do two games at Florida, one game at UCF in between. That's three games you can put on your schedule against Florida. UCF says, no, we just want a home-and-home. What? Like, do you want to play Florida or not? Yeah, that's dumb. But UCF is the reigning national champion. They can do what they want. (laughs) That's Josh Heupel. Yeah. I'm not – I just – I don't really – like I'm that's not, I'm not a big Josh Heupel guy. <laughs> no, he's just I don't know. Yeah, I kind of hope LSU destroys him, but I feel like that is potentially not going to happen because yeah. I don't have really any faith in LSU to do anything. Yeah. Well, before before I uh, 
I will say Josh Heupel, I, I think he had a integral part of helping rebuild Mizzou's offense. Yes. I will give him that, but I don't really think I love him as a person that much. Do you think UCF should be in the Final Four? No, I do not. Would would in a hypothetical eight team playoff, would they make your eight team? Yes, they playoff? would. I I am quite opinionated about how I feel about the playoff. I don't. Let's hear it. Do you want me to do this right now? Yep. Okay. Yep. Let's do it. Here, I am going to make the case for the eight team playoff, and part of that reason is UCF. Wow. Because big fan. I don't. I. I don't really like UCF, but they won all their games. Yeah. They're 12 and 0 or whatever they are. And in what sport, in what world do we suit up and for for the whole year and you win all your games, you win everything that's put in front of you and then you have no path to any kind of legitimate championship game. It's just it's not fair to UCF. I mean, it's not like they're some D2 school or something. UCF Central Florida is a large university and I think they're legitimately good especially when they had um their quarterback i apologize i don't know his name before he got hurt were legitimately a top eight team and especially with all of the claims they have made over the last year about you know deserving to be in that national championship conversation i would love to see them in like an actual championship type setting because i don't think that they might have been okay last year i don't know if they were in the top four this year, especially without their quarterback, they would be absolutely destroyed by all yeah. teams that could make the four-team playoff. Yeah, that injury obviously was huge for them. It was. Um, so I, that is one reason why I think an eight-team playoff uh, should be a thing because UCF deserves to have some kind of shot at a national championship. They wouldn't get to the national championship game, but they deserve to at least have the opportunity for yeah. winning every game. They should they should have the opportunity to lose. <laughs> exactly. And I just think that would be interesting. Like, yeah. I, I just I want to see them, and they'll get a little bit of that here. I, I think that'll be a, an interesting game with LSU. Um, but but if I was a UCF, fan, a UCF fan, that would not be a satisfying consolation prize from a exactly. 12-0 season right. to I agree. getting to play LSU in the Fiesta Bowl. So. Right. And so another reason why I think there should be eight teams represented is uh, because it's, it's kind of if we're really taking the top four teams, then I think you probably take Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and probably Oklahoma or Notre Dame. Um, but Georgia is, I feel like SEC bias Aside, they're one of the best four teams in the country. Exactly, and I don't think that anybody would disagree with you, but but that's why the four-team playoff doesn't make sense because if, if you truly are taking the best four teams, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and Notre Dame, you're literally only representing the SEC, the ACC, and Notre Dame is not even from a conference. So you're right. literally leaving out three of your five major conferences, which they're never going to do. So, so they put Oklahoma in there. So instead, they don't put the best four teams in right. because – who can blame them? I yeah. would not. I would probably do the exact same thing that they yeah. did. Um, but that's just a weird bias that is not the best four teams. So if there's eight teams in the in the in the uh, tournament, that means all five power conferences are represented plus three at large biz or UCF mm-hmm. or Notre Dame or whoever it is um, that's not in a conference. And we don't have the conversation of you know of the the, the conference affiliations. I think have almost become too important because. It's just kind of like an arbitrary group that these teams are, are grouped into, but it's literally eliminating some teams' chances of making the tournament. If like Georgia, right? They're the best. They're one of the best four teams in the country, and I don't, everybody would probably agree with that, including the analytics. But 
I just don't know that you could put them in the tournament. For so them. would you would you say that the would you have the conference champions get automatic bids? I'm not sure that you necessarily have to do that, but that's something that that you could look at. Mm-hmm. Um, you you could literally set it up as the five conference champions plus three at large bids, or you could just kind of um, you know unofficially set it up that way. But I just think it should be the best eight teams in the country. Yeah. And I, I didn't set up what the bracket would look like hypothetically mm-hmm. if we did do that um, this year. But I think there would be some really fun matchups that would add a lot to the sport. And Yeah, you can find plenty of mock uh, eight-team playoff right. brackets online. And you still have to have a great season. Don't, I, I, just, I don't think I can, I can see the argument that it would destroy the regular season like some people will say. Because, I mean, still, to be ranked in the top eight, you still pretty much have to win, you know, almost all your games in having only one or two losses. And it's almost the same criteria. Really good losses. Right. I mean, that you can't have a bad loss and, and be in the top eight. Yeah. So, but I, I understand why Georgia isn't there. Um, you know, if, because if it's almost like we have to play the games, we have, yeah. if, if Georgia yeah, makes beat, the, the beat LSU. Yeah, if Georgia the makes the LSU. tournament, then why play the games? And so yeah. I, I understand that because that just is is biased probably. But I don't know. It, it's an interesting conversation. I don't know if the 18 playoff is a legitimate possibility in the next couple of years. I, I think it is probably in the next five to ten years. But I, I think that I, I hope it goes that way, and I think it will eventually. Yeah, I mean, we had the BCS for a long time, and then – uh, one of the things that I feel like contributed to the downfall of the BCS was um, Alabama and LSU playing for the national championship mm-hmm. um, a week after playing in the SEC championship, so or two weeks after or whatever. So I think it might take – honestly, when Georgia and Alabama both made the Final Four last year, there was a lot of people like, oh, this is another Alabama-LSU situation. So I think the more times something like that happens – the more vocal people will be about wanting to expand yeah. it. And because honestly, it, it's going to take something like that. It's going to take like Notre Dame being left out for a second SEC team or Oklahoma or Ohio State being left out for another SEC team. Right. UCF there, being left out. There weren't any, I don't think any it's ever terrible change snubs the this system. year. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Um, and obviously, Georgia being left out is not going to do anything right to change the system mm-hmm. even though that's they were probably one of the top four teams so anyways i tend to agree with you overall i think um eight teams makes a lot of sense i i think and anytime, i don't think it, it should be more than that i yeah. i'm i swear i'm not one of those people that's gonna <laughs> just keep like well now it needs now to it be, 16. Probably be 16 i think eight is as high as it should possibly go and that's just the, the ideal number. There will in my always opinion. be a bubble. There will always be yes, teams on the will. bad side of the bubble that there are will. upset. But there will never be a 12 and 0 team that in a in a decent conference that won everything put in front of them that's left out of out of any yeah. possible chance to win a national championship. That's a pretty solid argument. If you if you want to refute Kyle's argument and tell him why he's yep, tell an me idiot, why I'm wrong. Then tweet at us. Let us know. But we have a few more games to pick. So I'm gonna pick LSU. I hope they win. I hope they beat UCF. I want LSU to win this game. I think they will. I think UCF they will being as well. down a quarterback. Uh, Citrus Bowl, Kentucky against Penn State. I will let you know. Penn State is favored by six and a half points. I think they win by seven. Ooh, yeah. 
we're kind of picking the same stuff here. I'm, I'm, I got to pick Penn State, too. Okay. If I know anything about you and picking football games, you're pretty good at it, apparently. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, f- I feel like some of my animosity towards a few of these teams is spilling over into my picks. Like, mm-hmm. I just want Kentucky to lose. I, I mean, that's a bad SEC I fan of me. I right, root for all the SEC teams, but I, would, I don't blame you for that. <laughs> uh, here's an SEC, SEC team I really hope wins uh in the sugar bowl georgia is a 13 point favorite against texas yep please confirm my argument georgia that you're one of the best teams in the country yeah please just destroy texas because please it's texas oops i just wrote you down as picking texas (laughs) no wonder you lost i was changing your picks yeah Uh, (laughs) now we have reached the final four the orange bowl will see alabama as a 14 point favorite play oklahoma Mm mm-hmm I think if you look at the analytics and you just think about the game as far as the fact that Alabama has a great offense, they have a great defense, Oklahoma has a great offense, and a terrible defense, that looking at those four things, you should think Alabama is going to easily win this game. And I think they will win this game. But Oklahoma has just kind of got that, I don't know, that think, swag. Oh, yeah, that do you they're think just, their offense will compete would you think their offense has a chance of keeping them in it oh definitely the oklahoma's offense is is fantastic but their defense is so bad that there's no way if if tua is truly healthy and has come back to his original form in this game mm-hmm. i know he had surgery between the regular season and now so it's a possibility that um he's not full strength yet i don't really know but if Alabama is even close to full strength at offense, they're they're gonna so easily stomp Oklahoma. They're gonna they could score in three plays every drive if they wanted to. Right. So, I, I think this will be a really fun game to watch. I'm really excited about it just to watch, uh, kind of the the big dogs of some of these conferences go head to head. Yeah, I think. I tend to think that Alabama might just expose Oklahoma. And it's very possible they put do that. Sixty points on them. Al- Alabama's kind of that one team that just seems to transcend like everything every year just analytics everything it just doesn't matter they just win and expose everybody um i remember the first i think it was the first year of the college football playoff they had a game against michigan state and they won like 38 to nothing or something you know it's just like even in the the biggest stages alabama just destroys people yeah so yeah i honestly would not be surprised to see them win by five touchdowns but never know all right, so we're both picking Alabama. I will. Um, I don't actually know what the bowl is called. That what what is Notre, Notre Dame and Clemson must be playing in um, the. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't write it down. I kind of lose track of them. Yeah, me too. Rose Bowl. It's, it's Rose be a big bowl. One. Yep. No. It, now, yeah. No. Ohio, Ohio State and somebody are playing They're in the Rose the, Bowl. Uh, I'll find out. Anyway, Notre Dame against Clemson. I'll, I'll give they're you the spread not, here in a sec. Not Alabama Bowl. They're, they're in the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. I forgot it was in the rotation there. And I'll, I'll tell you the spread if you care. I'm picking Clemson. It is. Uh, ESPN does not have a spread on their pick center. Uh, maybe I'm not. That's I haven't weird. paid them enough for it or something. <laughs> um. I honestly, I have to admit that I don't know a whole lot about either one of these teams. I just, I don't, I think I only watched Notre Dame play one game this year, and it was against Michigan, like, at the very beginning of the year. Um, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. I don't think I even watched that still, but um, (laughs) I think 
I think Clemson probably wins, but I'm going to pick Notre Dame, and I kind of hope that they do just because I don't want to see Alabama versus Clemson like volume 25, so I don't know. You're picking Notre Dame? Yeah, I think so. I feel like Clemson is clearly the best, the second best team in the country. You're probably right. Um, I, I don't think – I think – that they're only the only challenge Clemson could really have is against Alabama in the national championship. Um, the run that Clemson is on is just incredible. Yeah, they've kind of gotten to the point. I mean, their defensive line is just unreal, um, and they've kind of gotten to the point where their offense is really good now. It's like in the past, I thought their offense was a little stale at times, but I think they're they've kind of turned the corner this year. Um, I don't know. Clemson's a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. It, oh, okay. That's pretty big. I, yeah. I, Notre Dame's not going to win this game. <laughs> but I'm still picking them. Typical Kyle. Typical me. They're not going to win, but I'm going to pick them anyway. I've done that so <laughs> like an unreasonable amount of times this year. Explains why I'm 500 points behind you in that. So, little... Okay. So in your national championship, you have Alabama against Notre Dame. I suppose. Notre Dame coming off a really big upset i mean just really gutted it out against clemson nobody knows how they won this game but they did so now they go up against alabama who just destroyed uh oklahoma by i think you said five touchdowns so <laughs> i said that was a possibility <laughs> <laughs> so who do you like in the alabama versus notre dame rematch from oh, i don't know what, eight yeah, years ago it's almost any way you slice it it's still just like the same old teams but um Oh, yeah, I got to pick Alabama. Like, no matter who they're playing, okay. I think they win. And I do think Alabama-Clemson would be a really fun national championship. The year that Clemson won, maybe two or three years ago, that was one of the most fun games I've ever watched. These two teams have had uh, – every game that they've played against each other has been maybe really should, entertaining. Maybe I should root for, for another Alabama-Clemson. I was kind of, like, bored at that thought. Yeah. But, but, uh, but Notre Dame, that's much more exciting. Yeah, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm i going to pick Alabama. I don't really have any good reason why. They're I think really good. That I mean, yeah, so is Clemson, though. I mean, True. I feel like Alabama would be favored by as little as three points, as much as five and a half. Yeah, it depends on how this first two, the first sure. games go, but I think you're right. I don't think they'll be favored by more than three or four. Yeah, so... I would, I'll pick Alabama, regardless of opponent. Typical SEC homers over here, really oh, yeah. showing our bias. Producer Cameron, you're shaking your head. Now you tell me, who do you think wins the national championship? Alabama. Okay. <laughs> so it's not. I'm not shaking your, my head at that. I'm All just, right. That just fact in general. Yeah, yeah. Just makes me shake my head. So no SEC bias. We all think Alabama's the best team. <laughs> They're most likely to win. I, it would be interesting if Clemson can really put up a fight with them. But yeah, it'd be interesting if the Big Ten team could could win the championship. Oh wait, they're not in the playoff. <laughs> 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 yeah, the Big Ten got snubbed. All Ohio State had to do was beat Purdue. Yeah, Is that who they lost to? Yeah, yeah. by a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel pretty good about my picks. Um, Kyle, can you say the same? Uh, pro- no, I picked Notre Dame. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you can change it. I'll, I'll let you change it. No, I got to stick with it. They're <laughs> okay. going to win or something, maybe. All right. 
well, I think that's that's all I have for this week. No extra little fun and games. Um, we'll do a where in the world is somebody from Mizzou basketball next week. Okay. Can't I'm, wait. I'm working on a good one for you. Ooh. Anything else for the folks this week? That is it for the folks this week. But you can find this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Spotify. You can tweet all of your hot takes and argue about the eight-team playoff uh, with us at Mizzou Sports Pod on Twitter, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. And you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope everybody had a good Christmas and holiday season, and we will see you next week. Bye.